You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Here's JT Miller, short-handed breakaway. Miller in a load, shoots, he missed the net as he fired it from the top of the circle. What? What are you thinking? And the Vancouver Canucks drop their fourth game in a row. Would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Ken. Four or five guys with no-shows here at four or five games, and they got to pick it up. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning. Welcome to Halford and Bruff here. Yes, it is Friday, and Ask Us Anything Friday uh, with a gift card to AJ's Pizza on the line, as always, so you can start getting your Ask Us Anythings in already. I'm Jamie Dodd. Final day, I assume, filling in for Mike Halford here. He should be back on Monday. Prof, what's going on? Uh, good morning. Uh, you discussed four losses on this uh-huh. show. No wins. Yeah, it's that negative yeah. energy I bring. Yeah. Um, screwed it all up. So uh, hopefully Halford is ready to roll. The turning point of the season when on Jamie filled in on the morning show for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Brought it all crashing down. Halford went out with a lower body injury. Halford is this show's Dakota Joshua. Let's not <laughs> underrate what Riccio did as well. By yeah, taking that's a good back. point. That's yeah, a good point. Yeah. The depth was tested and it uh, it did not work out. Um, We've had four or five no-shows, frankly. <laughs> all right. I'm going to do this in order today. A-Dog. How are you? I'm what? Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> he threw me off. Roof. <laughs> I, I am good. I looked right in A-Dog's eyes and saw pure panic there. Yeah, I just, I like, someone just threw doing. me off a cliff there. That was just, oof. Oof. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. All I'm right. Fine. Good. Laddie. Good recovery. Laddie, how are you? Hello, hello. I am well. All right. Thank you. Glad to hear that. For once, somebody asked. Okay, we don't need the attitude next time. Just keep it to a simple, fine thanks, all right? Uh, Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Also brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid, 1170 Powell Street. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sorfi, what are you waiting for? Kintech! A big show coming up today at 6.30. Joe Haggerty from the Boston Sports Journal. He covers the Boston Bruins, of course. They're in town tomorrow uh, for the 4 o'clock start game on Saturday, so we'll talk Bruins with Joe Haggerty. Uh, AJ, the titular AJ from AJ's Pizza, stops by the show at 7. At 7.30, Ben Nicholson-Smith to chat a little Blue Jays. Grapefruit League season opener tomorrow for the Blue Jays on TV. So, yeah, baseball season is here. So we'll have a quick chat with Ben uh, about the outlook for Don't the Jays. Don't worry, it'll be quick. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll be quick. Okay. We're doing a, a solid 35 minutes on spring training minutiae with uh, with Ben Nichols. We're talking Bo yeah. hair. Yeah. Really, yeah. really selling it to the listeners, Bruff, when you have to apologize ahead of the guest announcement. No, it's just like I know people want to be talking it's about okay. the Canucks this morning. It, it's a it's palate cleanser. Right. It's a yeah, palate yeah, Everyone yeah, calm down. Yeah. 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 There are other sports. Uh, and then Rick Dollywall joins us. So we, if, if you want to hear people yell about the Canucks, don't worry. We'll have you covered at 8 o'clock. Rick Dollywall uh, from Donnie and Dolly. And then, of course, 
It is, as I mentioned, an Ask Us Anything Friday. So there's a, a, a gift card to AJ's Pizza up for grabs that we'll award to the best Ask Us Anything. Text in 650-650. We'll read some throughout the course of the show. We'll announce the winner at 830. And we're still doing what we learned as well. No prize on the line for what we learned, but uh, texts in your submissions anyways. 650-650. Hashtag WWL. What you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Before we do any of that, let's talk about what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit bccsa.ca. As you mentioned... Another loss that I solely am responsible for mm-hmm. uh, for the Canucks for us to break down today, bro. Uh, yeah, they lost in Seattle five to two. I believe was the final score. I think we all knew that it was not going to end well at a certain point, even at the end of the second period. Yeah, like the Canucks did did not have much. They had another period, but they didn't do anything with it. And the Kraken got an empty netter. The Canucks got off to a decent enough start after JT Miller opened the scoring against a stickless Philip Grubauer. He'd lost his stick in the mesh behind the net. All of a sudden, didn't have a stick, and the Canucks were did a pretty good job of finding, finally, an opportunity uh, to actually put a puck on net. It was a rarity to put a puck on net uh, yesterday for the Canucks on Philip Grubauer. That was less than five minutes into the game. I thought at the time that Dave Haxtall, the head coach of the Kraken, might have done the Canucks a favor by giving the nod to Grubauer, who did not look sharp early on and, frankly, didn't look sharp for much of the game. But again, you got to test the guy. Uh, It was the Canucks who looked the shakiest as the game wore on, uh, especially the special teams. Vince Vince Dunn tied the game later in the first after a Canucks penalty had just expired, so it was kind of like they were still on the PK. And it was Zadorov with the weak clearance attempt which Mikheyev tried to knock down in Pedersen's direction, but the puck started bouncing everywhere. The ice did not look good in Seattle last night, but still, neither did the, neither did the uh, Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the puck eventually turned over a few seconds later. Vince Dunn one-timed it from the point and beat Thatcher Demko. Then Seattle turned up the pressure big time on the Canucks, and Nils Hoaglander got called for a penalty with three seconds left in the first, meaning the Canucks would start the second with a big PK, which was kind of reminiscent of heading into the third period against the Minnesota Wild. Remember when I made the Mm -hmm. comparison to like this game and the Wild game, and I was like, man, there's kind of similarities there. Uh, The Canucks failed miserably to kill that penalty after Ian Cole's clearance attempt went straight up the middle to Jared McCann, who we all know has a great shot. He wired it past Demko. Just 21 seconds into the period. So already into the game, it was 20 minutes and 21 seconds, two failed clearances on the PK, two goals for Seattle. Not good. Meanwhile, the Canucks power play was struggling equally badly in their opportunities. Um, And yet at the same time, Vancouver caught a break when Suter's rather innocent looking shot off the rush took a double deflection off a Kraken player, and then Sam Lafferty's arm and passed Grubauer. So the game was tied in the second period, but it did not feel like the Canucks deserved to be tied. They looked tired. They looked jittery. 
Like, you know that feeling where you haven't slept well, so you drink too mm-hmm. much coffee to try and make up for it, and then you're like, still tired. So like every but, day? But now I just feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. You're somehow tired and wired at the same time. Yeah. And it's yeah, not, like, not kinda like yeah. Kind of seen through time. Yeah. 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 That was the Canucks last night. Their details weren't good. Uh, and credit to the Kraken who brought the energy and the structure in a big game for them. Seattle deservedly broke the tie later in the second with two quick goals by Justin Schultz and Jordan Eberle. Uh, the Canucks were running around on both goals. Uh, it was Seattle's fourth goal that was the worst one, though. Uh, they were also caught puck watching on that one as Eberle was able to bang home his own rebound. Uh, not to pick on the guy because there were a lot of guilty players last night on the Canucks. And- <laughs> Uh, we'll hear. We'll, hear, we'll hear about, about it from Rick Dockett. Uh, Zadorov was uh, not a good night defensively for Zadorov, who was on the ice for three goals against at even strength. Uh, nor was it a good night for Ilya Mikheyev, who was not on the ice much at all in the third period and might be headed toward a healthy scratching if the Canucks weren't already missing Dakota Joshua, frankly, he might be headed there anyway. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing much to his game right now, and he barely played in the third. Uh, I think he got 30 seconds, one shift, and that was early on in the period. Listen, I imagine his torn ACL is a factor, even a good excuse for him personally, but that doesn't change the fact that he's not a very effective player right now. That doesn't like, like it, that doesn't help the Canucks that, you know, this could be expected. Uh, something's got to improve there or something's got to change. I also wonder uh, if Mark Friedman might get back into the lineup soon instead of Noah Juleson because Juleson – uh, you know, as much as I was picking on Zadorov, Juleson has been out there for a lot of goals against yep. you, and he just looks like he's not dialed in right now. But first and foremost, let's be honest, let's not pick around the edges here. The Canucks' best players need to figure out the power play because last night it was completely bereft of any semblance of puck movement, uh, confidence, um, they tried Hronik out there. That experiment failed miserably. He only added to, I think, their problems moving the puck around and moving it quickly and creating those shooting lanes that you need in order to actually get the puck on net. Like, I know everyone says, just, just shoot, shoot it. it. And, and like, the Canucks tried that a few times. Guess where they went? Into shin pads. Like they didn't even make it to the net to, uh, yeah. to get blocked by the traffic in front of the net. They just went into shin pads, and when you're not creating shooting lanes, teams are so good now, especially Seattle. Seattle's like, at, collectively, we always say, like, who are their star players? But collectively, as a team, they play pretty well defensively, and when they get half-decent goaltending, that's why they can be a successful team, and that's why they had the team last season that you know won a round in the playoffs and made the playoffs and won a round in the playoffs. Collectively, they can be pretty good defensively when they're on their games, and they were last night. They played really well, and the Canucks just they they you know that dynamic power play that we saw earlier in the season is just it's not gone. there. But Rick Tockett had a real issue with many parts of their game last night, and I think what you're going to hear in this scrum, well, is a lot. But it's mostly about like, hey guys, at the end of the day, hockey is a pretty simple game. You got to want the puck. And if you're not doing the things from a, both a technique 
and also like a will uh, perspective if you're not doing things that, hey, I'm tired and this might hurt to make this play, but I still got to make the play because that's hockey and that's how you win. If you're not doing that on Rick Tockett's team, he's not going to like it. And guess what? He's absolutely right. You know, the same lessons that Rick Tockett was preaching last night get get taught at every level of hockey from, you know, six and seven-year-olds all the way up to the NHL. You got to want the puck and you got to be willing to pay the price even if you're tired. Here is Rick Tockett, and we're going to just play pretty much the entire scrum with maybe some of the questions cut it's out. It's just a highlight package. Highlight package, but yeah, here's Rick Tockett not happy after last night's game in Seattle. I don't know if the anxiety caught up to some of the guys, you know, the motions last week, but whew, that was bad tonight. That was bad. Soft. It was a, you know, you hate to call your team soft, but it was soft tonight. You know, we didn't uh, didn't participate on the wall battles. We didn't get a rim out. You know that we knew we they're, you know, this is a good team. We didn't play predictable. We started regrouping, like old habits, came, you know, old habits came. We were just talking the coach stuff, man. I wish I had about 10 practices. I really do. And because uh, it shows tonight that we got a lot of work to do. Um, nobody- this is not last from, night. I think that's from last season. This is from last season in Seattle. <laughs> now, Look at the file. That is hilarious. Yep, you can right. You could have lit. Oh, my God. That, this, that could have been last so night. I'm so glad you made this mistake. Yeah. This is amazing. Laddie I swear, came we did, in, I swear we didn't plan this. Laddie came in and said, don't worry, someone cut up all the well, audio. There is another from one. From the it's, game in yeah. Seattle. <laughs> and, like, you remember the game. That that yeah. was, that was, oh, my God. I see it now. There's two clips. That was the game had to calm him down on the street. Hold on. There's two clips back-to-back, so they made a highlight so pack. So they must have pulled it up yeah. to be, like, compare and contrast. But there is a highlight pack of last night as well, if you want to hear that one. Let's do A little more relevant to today's conversation. Yeah, I don't have really much, you know, me, I, I sometimes have a lot to say. I don't have much to say. Just a lot of not much compete from the guys. That's on me. i got to take the blame for that. I didn't get the guys to compete hard enough, so, I, so I'll, I'll take the heat on this one. We just had, it was a lot of no-shows tonight. Listen, I know that we, we call this going to be a tough stretch, but you can't give in to its fatigue. You can't. you got to play smarter. Um, you know, you just got to do, do things smarter. Just play smart and compete. So that actually knows. They came up with loose pucks. We didn't. I mean, you guys saw it. I mean, there's nothing, you know, analyze it. There's nothing really to say. Our clears were awful tonight. We had three times to get the puck down. We didn't get it down. So, you know, like I said, you know, four-game losing streak. And it's like every keeps saying a good thing, adversity. But, you know, we got to start to pick it up here. And we guys got to understand that when the puck comes on our rim, we have a technique to do it. And you have to have the... B-A-L-L-S to, to, to get the puck out. You can't just go in soft, and you can't ice pucks on a rim. That was very funny. Did he Laddie, spell Laddie, I think you intentionally did that. Did he spell out balls? Yeah, he, he did. did. He did. <laughs> yeah, you he's, allowed to, he's allowed to say that. You know? So, um, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, you can still sit there and say, look, I, I refuse to panic about this recent stretch. It was inevitable. They go through something like this. Uh, and their schedule after the All-Star break has been very tough. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, people are, is this the adversity you wanted, bruv? I'm like, kind of. But also, like, part it, of, it could stop now, though. That's no, fine. but part We've of the enough. reason we said, you know, 
I wouldn't mind some adversity is because we looked at the schedule after the All-Star break and went, this is going to be tough. Not only are the Canucks going to play a lot of games, they're going to play a lot of games on the road, and they're going to play a lot of games against some quality teams. Now, you can say that Seattle's not a good team, but I think they're still a fine. They're, they're, they're okay. They can be good. And they're desperate, just like the Minnesota Wild. We're a desperate team. These guys are on the outside looking in, and they still want to make the playoffs. Um, I think the thing that you can be worried about if you want to be worried and even veer into panic is for the first time all season, the Canucks are failing the resiliency test. And that's one of the things we said about this team, that they've been resilient all season. It's one of the reasons, you know, they hadn't lost three straight. Mm -hmm. Now they've lost four straight. The power play, as I mentioned, looks completely bereft. I like that word of confidence. Uh, Defensively, they're losing their composure way too often. They're taking too many wasteful, penalties um and you do have to wonder a bit about their depth after injuries to Susie and Joshua have apparently made such a negative impact so even if I'm not panicking per se I'm not blindly faithful that they're going to pull out of this and get rolling into the playoffs I think if we're all honest with ourselves given how the season has gone and it's been like wildly unpredictable how well the Canucks played and how many things were going right for them and how much fun we were all having as Canucks fans, I don't think any of us know for sure how this is all going to play out. Yeah, and I think now we've officially ticked into adversity territory. Now, somebody texted in yesterday on the show, I believe, it's only adversity once you overcome it, otherwise it's just losing. And that's where they are right now. They're just losing. And maybe we'll be able to look back and say, wow, they really pulled themselves out of that. They righted the ship. They got back to doing what they were doing. You hope so. But last night's game felt different because if they had won last night and turned into convincing effort, you look at it. Okay. Okay. They lost three games in a row. They actually played pretty well. Five on five. Two of them were against really good teams. What are you going to do? It didn't get the bounces. It, you didn't get the bounces. It happens. Last night was just a straight-up bad performance. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, they were tired, and, yeah, the schedules worked against them. But part of being a really good team, part of being a Stanley Cup contender, is finding ways not to let the bottom fall out of your game when you're in those circumstances. Knowing knowing how to play tired. And there was a moment last night where they score to tie it up 2-2 against the run of play, and then shortly after that they get a power play. That's where you want to see them bear down. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, we've been given a lifeline in this game. We can take control of this game. We got to make the most of this opportunity. That's what really good teams do. That's what was absent last night. The fact that they turned in that type of performance, and then you hear it from Rick Tockett and how angry and upset Rick Tockett is about the performance of his team right now, that's what puts it so squarely in the category of this isn't like fake adversity, right? This isn't like we're turning a three-game losing streak into, you know, we're making a mountain out of a molehill because it's been such a dream season and we need to find something to complain about. When you hear Tockett like that after a game, I think it's fair to be deeply concerned about where the where the team's game is and what we're going to see going forward here. Yeah. I mean, he said a lot of things that, you know, didn't get played in that kind of compilation of things. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it's disturbing some of the efforts we're seeing from guys. Distur- the, we use the word disturbing. And I think maybe even he's um, like perplexed by it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, it's easy to pick on Mikheyev. It's easy to pick on Zadorov. 
Um, and for a lot of you, <laughs> it seems to be quite fun to pick on Elias Pettersson. Um, but Petey, listen, he, he had a couple moments last night. He made a nice play at the blue line, sent Hoaglander in alone. Um, but we're just, it's, just, it's just not consistent enough. We're not seeing that consistently enough. And um, I'm not saying Pedersen looks checked out or anything like that, but I'm not not saying that. <laughs> On the other hand, oh, you're, you're pulling but, a talk but, where he's but, like, but, I don't want to call a team soft, but yeah. that yeah, might have just, been a soft performance. He just doesn't look all that interested. I don't know. There's something... Something odd going on there. Uh, Noah from Langley Texan. We know that their ceiling is high, but it's worrying that if their basement is that low. And I think that's another thing that plays into it is going back to last year, like what Talkett was brought in to correct was this inability to stop things from getting out of control once they start going a little bad. And that was the most concerning thing about me. Uh, or, or most concerning thing about me, most concerning thing for me about last night, right, is, hey, they had a good start, then Seattle just generated a little bit of momentum, and there was no check whatsoever on it. Yeah. There's no point where the Canucks got back in, even for a five-minute stretch, and really dominated the puck. Despite getting the lifeline of that fluky goal, they couldn't use that to say, okay, hey, let's reset, let's get back into this. Mm -hmm. The bottom just kept falling out. If that happens to your season, that's the concern, right, that it won't just be a thing that happens in one game that it could happen to the season. And then you're in real trouble. So, uh, the Boston Bruins are in town on Saturday and we'll talk to Joe Haggerty, uh, Vancouver's favorite son coming up in about 10 minutes, just about the bees. They've been through Alberta. Uh, they lost to Edmonton in overtime. They lost to Calgary in overtime. So, other than that 4 nothing win over Vancouver that we all remember, like things have not been going super great for mm -hmm. the Boston Bruins. So in a way, it's an opportunity for the Canucks uh, to get a good, important result. Because the the same thing that that's happening to the Canucks right now might kind of be happening to the, the Boston Bruins. Like They might have overachieved early in the season. And now they're going through some adversity themselves. Um, I think we all really did wonder, like, is this Bruins team, like, how long is this going to last without Bergeron and Krejci and with the the lack of, frankly, elite talent that they've got down the middle, despite the fact that they still have elite talent on the wings and on the back end and the goalies are really good. You know, it is still very important to have elite centers. So we'll talk to Joe about that. Maybe it's nothing has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the centers. Um but I know that uh, the Bruins are not playing as well as they want to. I found it interesting. What Talkett was asked yesterday that you know about getting a practice in for the Bruins game before the Bruins game, and he said, "Ah, well, we play the Bruins at four, mm. and on Saturday, you know, he said, I'd love to have a week of practice. I'd love to have it. Well, on the Canucks PR X account this morning, I saw." The Canucks will practice today out at UBC. Um, practice 12.30, followed by media availability out at UBC. If you want to go watch it, I think it, I think those are open to the public. I'm not 100% sure, though. Um, you know, they're just, they need, they need to have they need practice, to practice, right? Yeah. And, and talk, it really didn't want to hear about them being tired. I don't think it's going to be like a bag skate practice. In fact, I'm 100% sure it won't be. A, it's not a punishment practice. This will be a details practice. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm sure the power play is going to get some work because the power play went through about four different iterations <laughs> last night alone. Like, Horonic started on the power play. I, I think and then there, he was there was pulled at off least the first like, three power plays. There was three different looks sent out over the boards yeah. to start it. Like, you yeah. could tell Talk it was just shuffling through ideas mm-hmm. to try to get any spark going there. Yeah. It might just be like a power play only, a special teams practice mm. only. Um, so we'll see also how they line up if they if they do line rushes. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Sean texts in, guys, there is no way if I am management, I am bringing back Zadorov or Lindholm, and I am selling high on PD this summer. Despite the points, no way he should be paid so much and locked in for so long. He wears an A, which people forget, and shows zero leadership or interest of being a leader by showing any passion. Way too many f- red flags with a various various things. I think there's times when he shows passion, for sure. I kind of agree with the leadership thing, though. I don't know if he's totally interested in it. I, I, he's not. Like, he just not. doesn't, like, when he people say, Peter's, Petey's got to lead by example, he's got to be a leader. And I mean, Well, lead by example lead by, is Sure, you could do that. But, but you know yeah. what I mean, though? Like, he's yeah. probably just like, ah, whatever. Like, I'm just going to play I my mean, game. Talk and acknowledge that. Talk yeah. and acknowledge that. Just, that's said, just who he is. like, Petey has not been a guy that's spoken up more. And that was more to highlight that Quinn Hughes had. Yeah. And then and this notion that Petey was ever going to be a captain, I've, I've always found ridiculous. He does not want to talk to the media. Mm-hmm. He does not want to make headlines. Like some of that might just be his personality. Some of it might be he still doesn't feel confident speaking the language. Um, I don't know what it is. I think it's probably a combination of a bunch of things. Some guys just don't want it. But then you also have to wonder. Okay, well, do you want the pressure of playing in a market in like Vancouver then? It's it's a completely fair question to ask. Why hasn't he signed yet? It's not being negative. It's not ignoring Petey's wishes to maybe this not kind talk of market about just it. Isn't for him? It, maybe, maybe, maybe he just doesn't feel comfortable in that kind of spotlight, or just just doesn't want the attention. Who knows? But we don't know what's going to happen, right? Like he could he could turn it around. Um, well, you know, a lot of people are 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 saying, um, what kind of playoff performer do you think Petey can be? If you count the bubble, he was great in the bubble. He, he was, was really good. incredible in the bubble. Yeah. And I think one of the things I remember, now some people won't count the bubble and I, and and I kind of half count it. But what I remember thinking during that bubble was how encouraging it was that the young Canucks were playing so well. They elevated and their at game. that and that that at the time including included Hughes and it included Horvat, who of course is no longer with the team. But you know that was one of the things that I was really encouraged by. There's been a lot of water that's flowed under the bridge for Petey since then. Yeah, but both I, good and bad. But I do think it's a it's important not to get caught up in the moment because there have been those moments, as you said. You know, it's even this season. It's not as if there's never been any passion in his game. Like he's gotten really good at throwing the reverse hit at engaging physically in the games. Don't let these last couple of weeks or this last stretch distract you from, as you said, a lot of the other things that have happened in Pedersen's career. And that's why, for me, as frustrating as it might be to watch him play right now, the baseline of 
what he's accomplished in his career, the way he's helped this team, even the bubble, which I think half counting it is fair. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you wave it off completely, but do you want to say, look, it wasn't a real playoffs. That's fair. But still, he raised his game significantly. He was really good, and he was physical, and he was in the battles. He was battling for position in front of the net. He was doing all of those things against really good teams in the bubble. So I know it's there. And that's why the Cavalier attitude of, Oh, he doesn't care. Trade him. You can't pay him. I Man, I, I just can't wrap my head around the idea that you get closer to the cup by trading a player with that type of ability, with that yeah. type of skill, mm-hmm. right? And it's not as if we've never well, seen him. Well, if the return's him, good enough, maybe. It's not as if we've, ever se- we've never seen him take over games, right? We have seen it. Have we seen it enough this year? Maybe not. But he can do it. Now, look, maybe it happens that they have to do that. And as you said, who knows what the package is? I mean, I don't think in the short boy, term, no. It wouldn't help the team in the short really, term trading really, him. Like, yeah, it would be a long-term play. Like, you, if they trade him, they would be worse. Doing that it because be of better. guy's body language, you know what I mean? Which is like basically what a lot of listeners are suggesting. That's tough. That makes me extremely, extremely nervous if you go down that road. Does yeah. it make you nervous at all? Would it make you nervous at all if you were to say yes to an eight-year deal? There's Not always really. some risk with an eight-year deal. Yeah. But of the available options, it would make me the least nervous. Let's put it that way. Eight years. Yeah. Really? Based yes. on his age and his point point totals, I'd be pretty happy with it. So why? Because for me, I'd, I'd kind of be like, eh, five years. <laughs> like, eight years is a long time. Because <laughs> we've just seen, you know, I'm not saying he's going to turn into Huberto or anything because there isn't like the age concern That's, there. Yeah. Like, like there isn't the age concern there, but but um you know, we saw with Luongo that his contract became onerous, right? When things turned. And sometimes when you sign a player to a big it's like loading up on debt for a a, a business, right? Mm-hmm. It's kinda like that when you think about it. It can turn negative value real quick and it can turn against you. So there, there would be none of that concern that all of a sudden you'd be stuck and that PD would be stuck in Vancouver. Like Luongo got stuck in Vancouver, despite the fact that he was still a very good goalie. He was still stuck in Vancouver because his contract sucked. You wouldn't have any concerns about that with Pedersen, with what you've seen of some of its inconsistencies. Well, Again, there's always risk. So yeah, could it turn? Could it go bad? Of course it could. Any mm-hmm. anytime you sign an eight year deal, it could go bad. Right. But it's just I wouldn't push for a shorter term deal because oh, the contract sucks. Because there's upside with an eight year deal as well. Because your cap it's coming down. Yeah. Right. There's upside with an eight year deal, and I still think like I'm not. I am not ready. I'm I'm here for your concerns with okay, he's not taking the game over. He's not showing that shift by shift dominance. But I think if we're sitting here and saying the ship has sailed on Elias Pettersson franchise player, I that's way too premature. I'm not saying that. I know you're not. But yeah. like to me, if you have a guy who I still think has a pretty good chance to be a franchise player mm-hmm. and you can sign him to 8 years and he's what, 25? You sign him to 8 years because yeah. you want that player in your organization and it's so the re- people all the people texting in, "Hey, yeah, you'd get such a haul if you traded him." The reason you would get such a haul, which I agree with by the way, <laughs> is because players like him are so rare and teams are desperate to acquire them and they never hit the open market. Yeah. So that's why you lock them up as long as you possibly can and I'm not saying it's a it, it can't possibly go wrong or oh man, he, could he could he plateau a little bit and then you don't love the cap it? Yeah, all of those are possibilities. There's always risk with anything you want to do, but I think that also has the most upside. I also just 
want to make sure that if he does sign a contract like that, he is super committed to the market. Well, I think... And there might be some things that he would have to discuss with management and ownership about like how things would be going forward. How much does he have to talk to the media? How much of a leadership role do they expect him to play? Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. Because, you know, he might decide, okay, fine. Like if, if he's in a position of like, if his answer is, okay, fine, I'll sign. Then I'm, then I'm worried. But I don't think like, to me, why would he do that? Why would he sign like out of resignation? Because maybe while well, he, he can he, get his money anywhere. I know, but he would just be like loathed in Vancouver. He would do you, be. Do you think that matters to him? Mm, he's pretty sensitive. I actually pretty think it. Guy. I actually think it does. Yeah. But, but okay. He's a pretty so, sensitive guy. But it wouldn't matter to like, some he, guys. He's but gonna I think wait the next like, eight years. It would to be a bloodbath to avoid being booed when he comes back. Uh, I don't think so. Probably. I mean, that. I might don't know. Be, I mean, we're getting yeah. in his head. Go a little, a little bit far here. down the road here. Be talking about if they want to boo him. What? We're going a little far down the road here. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Like, happen. I don't think. Well, I don't the think sports talk show tries to be honest. Like, how many conversations? Um, you know, like, admit it. If you've listening to the show and you've had a conversation about PD, like, imagine if he left. Imagine the reaction that he would get in his first game. If he left, like imagine if the Canucks go out in the first round this season, and then he's like, "Peace." Yeah, I don't think I'm it'd out. be a good reaction. It'd be worse than Burry. It'd be yeah. worse than any. It'd be worse than Messier. It'd be worse than any player. Yeah, people would not be happy in Canuck history. It would be, and some people will say like, "That's unfair." He can do whatever he wants, and other people would be like, "And I can do what I want." <laughs> and it would be. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'd be leading the charge. <laughs> Because like I want the best things for the Canucks. We're uh, you know we're we're down we're a, down we're down a road. It's a four here. game losing streak, and we're look at where we are now. What if they get? Yeah, this? but 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 that's the part of the fun. But to be of fair, this, this market, is something man. we've been talking about all year. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, criticizing. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this even when they were winning. Like, what if he doesn't stay? Like, this yeah, is just yeah. a uh, something yeah. you have to prepare yourself for in case it it happens. Because it could. Mm. It absolutely could. Um. Anyways, what were we talking about? Just the least that we're just uh, really booing, booing Pedersen after he move, goes away after they get knocked out in the first round and right, fans right, react. right, right after yeah. they get swept in the first yes, round. Yes, I think. Right. yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Austin and Langley, gotta love this market. I'm a part of it. I'm, a, I'm the. This problem. was we, we a real. This was a really hardcore Vancouver sports radio. But you know what? We, we, we do this to ourselves. But it's fun. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dolly Wall. It's time for Rick Dolly Wall. Rick Dolly Wall. Oh boy, it sure is. Rick Dollywall going to join the program here momentarily. It's Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. This hour of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. 
We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Ah, oh, Kintech. That's what I'm waiting for. Wow. <laughs> the last one of the week, and I screwed it up. Tough. Tough yeah, stuff. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. There you go. There we go. All right. Uh, it's Ask Us Anything Friday, so send in your Ask Us Anythings. We'll announce the winner of a $100 gift card for the best submission to AJ's Pizza. That's coming up at 830. Still a chance to enter uh, for that prize. But right now, as, as mentioned, uh, joining us on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. Uh, you watch him every day, 10 to noon on Check TV on Donnie and Dolly. He is Rick Dolly. Well, Rick, how's it going? Dodd, this must be you. <laughs> Look. A, week, a week away from that nut bar drench. And you get to work with Bruff. This must be Christmas. I mean, look, for I, you. it's a nice break. I'm not going to lie. Christmas with Bruff. Christmas it's always with a, Bruff. It's always a magical time. Yeah. Um, so, Rick, uh, lots to get into with the Canucks. Um, do you want to start right off the top about the, the report about Elias Pettersson? We played some audio from Friedman saying... He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't have proof that they offered him a contract, but it might just be a semantic uh, distinction. What are you hearing on that? Okay, so I was, uh, I was told by sources who would know that uh, this is not accurate. I, I've never seen these sources that upset over a report. I mean, to think that they have not talked numbers would be unrealistic. Both sides know what kind of numbers it's going to take to get a deal done. But I got major, major pushback on an offer being made. Um, look, the bottom line is this, guys. Patterson himself has told the media after the New York road trip he isn't going to talk contract till after the season. He is concentrating on the game of hockey, and I'm told the business side will take care of itself at the appropriate time. Now, some sources are baffled that an RFA like gets this much attention in a city when he's still under club control for the next 17 months. As we have said numerous times, unless there is a miracle, this is going to have to be a patient process. When they are not talking contract, how can the contract affect his play? And I have no intel saying that he wants out. So this is a player that clearly does not want to talk contract, and he just wants to play the game of hockey. And I, and I can't say it enough, a lot of patience from a lot of people is going to have to be required when it comes to Pedersen's contract. That's the bottom line. Rick, can I just push back on one thing? I find yep. it extremely disingenuous when yep. either side says they find it baffling that a player that is under club control is getting this much attention when we've just seen players like Dubois and players like Kachuk who are under club control force their way out of town. Yeah, that's a good point too, but here, here's the thing. When, when Elias himself has said, I don't want to talk contract. He's made it very clear to everybody involved that uh, he's probably not going to talk contract till the season's over. When the player comes out and says it, like go back to Johnny Goudreau in his final year in Calgary. He shut the media out. He told them right at the beginning of training camp, I'm not talking contract. He never did. And then what happened? Okay. And then he left. But, but again, he, when the player themselves, talking contract and it still keeps being brought up and still keeps being that's why people get baffled when it's clear that the two sides aren't negotiating and it's clear that the player doesn't want to talk contract mm-hmm. yet it keeps keep, get, keeps getting brought up 
that's why they get baffled. Jason. Well, to be right fair, there. Rick, I think the conversation right now has turned into turned from um, yeah. like why isn't hasn't he signed to um, frankly on our show? There's a lot of people that are like, do we even want to sign Elias Pettersson? Yeah. What have you thought of his play recently? Well, and and I got I work with two guys who are you know adamant that they don't want to give him twelve million or twelve five or eleven million or whatever. Uh, because of his play, and and we can well on the uh, here's the thing about his play. Uh, he's still on pace for over 100 points. If if you're a point guy, the, he's got that on his side. He, but look at the consistency. Consistency is not there. Uh, playing against the top teams, okay. Uh, you know, it, where, where's the point production against the top teams? Uh, last night again, he wasn't the only one. The, as you heard, the head coach rip into the team. He was one of the four or five no shows. There's no question about it. Um, he the talk had called some of the effort from some of the players disturbing. You know, mm-hmm. he needs his difference makers, not named JT Miller, to be difference makers. And right now, the only difference maker on this team is Miller, and he's got six goals. He's on a heater. Okay, let's let's be honest. He's on a heater, six goals, four games. But he needs other guys in that top six to pick it up. And and all clearly, he didn't name names last night. But if Rick Tockett did, obviously Pedersen's name would have been one of the guys he named last night. All right, let's move on from the PD talk. Um, let's talk about the week that our Steve Baines has had because it's a cool story. Um, it's a good story for numerous reasons. Um, mm-hmm. What have you heard about things behind the scenes with our Steve? Well, you nailed it, though, uh, Jason. What a week for him and his family, a local kid. But I, I just want to say this. The road to putting on that Canuck uniform in Colorado was anything but easy. No Bantam draft, no NHL draft. He gets signed as a 20-year-old playing for the Red Deer Rebels. I will tell you this. No one speaks more glowingly about Baines than his old boss, Brent Sutter, in Red Deer. For Sutter, Baines was all about playing the right way, doing the right things on and off the ice. The day that Baines signed in uh, Red Deer, when I talked to Sutter, it was just like a proud dad. And, you know, it just really was. You, you, You talk to any of his old coaches, Jason, and they all say the same thing. Very coachable kid. And when you're coachable, that makes you want to learn and get better every day, and that's what he did. I want to go back to the signing. Canucks were one of many teams that were after him in Red Deer. Vancouver scouts thought he was incredibly smart, always in the right spot. They raved about his work ethic. He wasn't afraid to go to the dirty areas, but it was an easy signing. There was a ton of teams in on him, but he had made it very clear that Vancouver in his hometown – was the place that he wanted to be. The That's Canucks awesome. Knew. That's awesome. Yeah, they, yeah, the Canucks knew it was going to be done in Vancouver because the agent had a ton of teams, but the kid had told the agent, you know, if, if Vancouver calls, you know, that's my number one place to be. But I do want to say this. His progress from year to year in Abbey, incredible. A pro scout told me at Christmas, he said, Baines is going to play in the NHL this year. And I said to him, why? He said, really impressed he's showing pro attributes and this was not a pro scout of the vancouver canucks obviously it was another team's pro scout but at christmas and here we are the guy makes it you know two three four weeks later i want to give the coaches and abbas credit you know their job is to get kids ready for the nhl and baines hasn't looked out of place but it's just not the coaching staff uh, the sedine twins have done an incredible job down there I don't know if the Canucks were still in Utica, if this would have happened. The fact they're in Vancouver, or sorry, Abbotsford, and they got that coaching staff and those people that are helping them out, 
it's it's pretty incredible the coaching these kids get in Abbotsford to turn a 20 year old unsigned kid from the Western League into a player. It's not easy. Ryan Johnson also had a plan for Baines. They stuck with it. They did it. Here's the final thing on him. Canucks have a ton of UFA players. They're going to need Baines and more kids from Abbotsford to make the roster next year. If you're a Canuck fan right now, you're hoping Vasily Colson is watching what is going on with Baines and he can make the uh, jump next year as well. If they have Baines and Colson in the opening lineup next year, that'll be a big thing for them. And Rick, on Baines's future, I mean, when he was called up, you know, this past week, I think some of us wondered, is it just about, you know, getting a reward to skate with the team, getting around, getting the NHL experience a little bit, but he's gotten into two games. He moved up the lineup after his first game. Is he going to go back down? Because we know this management team, when they bring a player up, they want, they want to be patient, but then when they come up, they want them to be up for good. Is he a full-time NHL player now? Well, look at look what Tockett's done. Put him on line three in game one, yep. line two in game two. The important thing for me was he stayed on those lines for the entire game. Then last night, the goalie's pulled, he gets on the ice. He time. Um, if you heard Tockett talk about Baines the other day, uh, he said that he likes his physicality. Uh, he led all players with hits in Colorado with three. He's forechecking. He's got his head on a swivel. He's always worried about his defensive responsibilities. Look, again, guys, coachable kid, tell me what to do, and I'm going to go out and do it. And that's a coach's dream. I, I, right now, I, I, I cannot see him being sent down right now, uh, Jamie. I just don't. Like, when the coach puts you on line three yep. and then line two in your first two games, like, how... Like, I, I just don't see it. I, I, and for him to get, you know, extensive experience uh, in the NHL this year will obviously bode well for him next year. Uh, Phil Kessel update. Remember that guy? We were all talking about Phil Kessel <laughs> before this four-game losing streak. And we were like, I don't, I don't have time for uh, Phil right now. What is, what's going on with uh, good old Phil in Abbotsford? Uh, they're doing a good job of hiding him, aren't they? Okay, uh, week two of Phil Kessel, the experiment. Uh, you'll continue to practice, skate, and train under the watchful eyes of the Canucks. Further evaluated by the end of the week. He's got to pass those checkpoints on and off the ice. Um, it was always going to take time. Like both sides knew when they got into this venture, I'll call it a venture, that it was going to take time. It wasn't going to be two skates and, oh, okay, you're good enough. Oh, okay, you're not good enough. That was never discussed. It was always discussed that we're going to take our time. The goal, Jason, is to get them NHL game ready over the next uh, whatever few days it is. I, I'm told he's on track for that. Last time I checked, not hearing anything negative here, nothing. And both sides knew uh, going in this would be a process. Everybody wants a good outcome here. I think the team uh, likes the player a lot. They have a history with them, uh, Alvin, Rutherford, and Tockett. Um, when the time is right, they feel, and the work's been done, they should get the uh, good outcome that they want. It's interesting to me, guys, uh, the Canucks shut the media out. Remember day one, we saw pictures in, in video yep. of Castle? <laughs> Not ever since that day. It's been uh, zilch, zero, none. You know, um, and so anyways, look, I just, I, I'm just hearing nothing negative there. They continue to work them out, and the goal is to, to, to get them NHL ready and to sign them. And uh, barring a major setback, it should happen. Um that being said, is he is he possibly a backup plan for them? Like, if they can't add some more depth up front, if they can't make another trade that doesn't make sense, then they'll be like, 
okay, we'll we'll sign Kessel. Yeah, I, the, the the goal is is to, is was before uh, they they brought him into Vancouver was you know what get him into Vancouver work him out and sign him. So I think regardless if they add uh, Jason, I mean he's a depth piece. He he brings depth. They like him. Uh, it's a player with championship pedigree. I don't think what they do elsewhere will affect him. He's a freebie. He doesn't cost assets. It's going to be a cheap deal on a prorated. You know, I'm going to guess seven, eight hundred on a you know cheap prorated deal. I mean, they got nothing to lose; they got everything to gain if he becomes a player and helps him out down the stretch. But I don't think what they do elsewhere will affect him with Kessel. I think the goal is to work him out and sign him. All right, buddy. Have a great weekend, Rick. Enjoy your show right, today. Enjoy uh, the game on Saturday, and uh, it's going to be fun down the stretch. Trade deadline, March eighth, not too far away. All right, guys, uh, take care. Have a good weekend. Thanks. That is Rick Dollywell. I was waiting for him to yell something at us and hang up. I mm-hmm. That was a very uh, pleasant conversation. He was laughing. Yeah. Nice. Having fun. Does it drive you, um, not crazy as, as much as it drives me crazy, but does it, like, when you hear things like, we're baffled okay, at, at, whole... how, at how much like people are talking about this contract Not... when he's a restricted free yeah. agent. Whole... We're well, baffled uh, by it. He's an it. RFA, so like, what? I mean, it's not even... It's, why are we even talking? Because there's a huge decision to make this summer. That's why. He does not have a contract for next season. And if he decides he wants to go elsewhere, it would be extraordinarily easy to make that happen. That's why. We don't need to pretend that's not the situation. Yes, he's not a UFA. He's an RFA. But we've seen the playbook. Star players can call their shot and pick their destination. In and specifically sign a in this situation. Want. Specifically in this situation. So that's why we're all talking about it. It's not a mystery. Uh, all right. It is Halford Abruff here, Sportsnet 650. It's an Ask Us Anything Friday. I haven't asked us anything for you guys. All right. Ooh. Uh, do you think McKeev gets scratched next game? <sighs> Pocket, uh, I don't know if you saw Talkett glaring at him after the, I think it was yeah. the first goal. I forget which goal it was. Yeah. It, was, was, a first goal. it was a fail that, frankly, I'd put more on Zadorov, like, but mm. McKeev. <sighs> You know that's a that's a kind of like a, a like a body position play that I was t- I was talking about mm-hmm. before. He like bats it down into the middle of the ice, and Petey's like, uh, "I'm not a basketball player, so I can't control this bouncing puck." Yeah. Um. You know, if he if he makes a harder play there, maybe he bounces it to the wall and gets it out. It turns out better, or just I don't know, whatever. Um. McKay is is clearly not the player he was. Um. In Toronto. Because he came to Vancouver and almost right, right, right away tore his ACL. And he played on it last year, and I think he played much better than he did this season. But here's the story that everyone who's been willing to listen to the actual story will tell you. The ACL, um, you can play on it for a little bit, and you can be fine. But, you know, if the stakes are low and eventually... They turned quite low for the Canucks last season. You get the surgery, and you you hope that one day you can get back to the level, or at least very close to the level you were. But once you get the surgery, it's at least a year until you're mm-hmm. back to that level. Like, it's not do some summer. If not 18 months. If not 18 months. Yeah. So everything we're seeing from Mikheyev, like people are like, I thought he'd be faster this year. Then you weren't listening. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.